going to be in Revelation chapter 5. And what we'll do is just go ahead and read through it real quick. And then um, I want y'all to help me get a little context to figure out how we got here, what's going on. So let's just read through it real quick. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll. It was written within and written on the back, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And then one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that He can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a Lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. They were each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard, and around the throne and around the living creatures and around the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Somebody tell me, what do we see in here? What's happening? What is this? Just, I mean, what do you think it is? These are just taking back that Okay. So if you were to... All right. That's right. You're exactly right. But uh, but sum it up. This whole chapter right here. What's happening? What what? How would you summarize this chapter? What what do you see here? Well, as Leanne said, there was a deed, and it had to be opened. That's right. And and everybody standing there were Jim, Jack, and Joe, like we are, and none of us were worthy to do it. And and John, it it, it broke his heart because. That was the, the release of everybody, even that said the prayers that were issued up there. The prayers of the saints? Sent up uh, throughout the ages. For every wrong that had ever been committed, for every 
hurt, whatever. Lying there, and it, this this seal had to be broken, and it had to be rolled out. This scroll then. Right. And then, <laughs> and then the the broken Lamb, Jesus Christ, he appeared. That's right. And he was worthy. The what? How worthy Jesus is. I like it. And you're and you're all exactly right. If I were going to sum it up, I would sum it up with a statement similar to that right there, and I would just simply say the worship around the throne. Now you remember, what was chapter 4 about last week? What was the center of chapter 4? What was it about? The throne. Yeah. So John gets into heaven and he says, I saw this throne. And here's what I saw over the throne. Here's what I saw around the throne. Here's what I saw before the throne. Here's what I saw taking place on the throne and the one who sat on the throne. And so the the focus of chapter 4 was about the throne and the one who sits on it. And what did we determine was happening in chapter 4 when we saw all the colors coming from the throne and the thunders and lightnings and the, the peals of thunder that were taking place? What was happening? What was God doing? Getting ready to judge, right? The time has finally come for judgment to take place over all the world. And then as a result, um, do we, you remember... Um, who were the people that were around the throne? The elders. And how many elders were there? And what did that 24 represent? Right. That's right. And so we saw the, the, the fullness of a group of people represented in that 24. We saw it in the temple when they divided the Levites up into the wholeness of the Levites was represented by 24 heads. We saw the, um, the musicians and whenever they were brought into place, the wholeness of the musicians were represented by 24 heads. And so 24, when we go back and look in the Old Testament, we can, without trying to stretch it too far, we can find evidence to say that the number 24 in olden days was used to represent a, a group of people and the fullness of that people. And so whenever we saw that these people were wearing crowns and they were wearing white robes and they were sitting on the thrones, what did that tell us about who these people were that were represented by these 24 elders? Who are these people? The church. The church. Because when you go back and you look, when he wrote the letters to the churches in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, all those letters at the end of it would say, to the one who conquers, I will grant him white robes. I will grant him a victor's crown. I will grant him to sit on thrones with me. So... We saw from Revelation chapter 2 and 3 that the reward of the church and the ones who persevere in their faith all the way to the end, that they were rewarded in the same way that we saw this group of people in chapter 4. So here's the picture you have. We have the throne. We're in the throne room of God, right? God is sitting on the throne. God is getting ready to judge the world. The church is now in the throne room of God with God, all right? And then there are these four living creatures or these angels, if you will, that are around the throne. And they have been worshiping God since the beginning of their creation. 
Somebody go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Hold your place in Revelation chapter 5. But go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This is just one place that I'll show you this. And this is a vision that Isaiah had. And, and again, I can't stress this enough, and you're going to see this from last week and tonight. One way that we can learn to interpret Scripture correctly is to let Scripture interpret the Scripture for you. Many of this stuff that we read in Revelation has already been seen and dealt with and explained to us in Scriptures in the past. Now, if you don't have a wide base of, of biblical knowledge in your mind, then it may be harder for you to come across it. But if you have good reference Bibles or you have a, an app like Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible, there's all kinds out there that give you references, it can help you by looking at those references. Try your best not to get on a rabbit trail so that you're going all around the place and you end up way off somewhere else. But if you can at least search for Scriptures that stay pretty true and pretty close to what we're dealing with, we can use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And if it lines up, most of the time it'll come out that we have the correct interpretation. So let's look and see this worship service that's been going on for so long. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up. So there we see the throne. We see the one sitting on it, right? All right. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called or cried to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And we could go on reading that, but I'm not going to. Here, I just wanted to show you this. Even many years before Revelation was given. Now what Revelation is showing you is future, right? It's not even happened yet. It's telling you when the church is in heaven, this is what you see going on around the throne. Isaiah sees a vision in the year that King Uzziah died of the same throne room, and guess what these creatures, these living creatures around the throne are doing? They're praising God. And they literally sit there and they, and when they see the glory of God, all they do is cry to one another, holy, holy, Holy. And that word holy just means there is nothing that you can liken it to. There is nothing that compares to it. It is completely set apart from everything and everybody. And they look at God and they say, that's, that's how we describe Him. We've never seen anything like this. Nothing can compare to it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, I would expect them to say right there, the whole earth is full of His holiness, right? But that's not what they say. They say the whole earth is full of His glory. So there are two things that we can see right here. First off, what are they looking at? They're looking at two things. First off, they're looking at God. But then they say the whole what? Earth is full of His glory. So what are they looking at? Creation, right? They're looking at what God has created. 
And what they see in creation is the glory of God. Even in its cursed form, they still see the glory of God. So what we understand about the glory of God is this. The glory of God is all of God's holiness that, that nothing can compare to who He is when it's put on display. And the only way it's put on display is in creation, right? What was man made in? In the image of what? God. Whenever David looked at the heavens, he said, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. So the Bible teaches us all throughout that creation was made for one purpose, to be a display of who God is. We're supposed to look at creation. We're supposed to look at... You've heard me say it so many times. You know what the point of the Grand Canyon is? The point of the Grand Canyon is for you to stand in front of it and go, what kind of God? Who, who does something? The, you know what the point of the ocean is? When you sit on the beach and you soak up the suns and you see the waves roll in and you sit there and you enjoy it, and that's what it's made for. But you know what the bigger point of the ocean is? For you to look at the ocean and you to, you to get the enjoyment from it and look back at God and go, who is like you? Who, who does this? Who else can do? You know what the point of the mountains are? I could go on and on and on. Here's the point. The angels understood that when they looked at creation, the point was for them to look at God and go, who are you? Who is like you? Can anything compare to you? And you know what the answer is? Nothing. There's no one like you. Nothing can compare to you. There is, And so this, this has been going on ever since they look at the glory of God and they look at His glory on display in creation. Now see, the problem with us, and you've heard me say this before too, the problem with us is that we've been in this creation for so long that we just think it's normal. We come in and look at this big ball of fire in the sky that we get warmth from or, uh, um, or we get a sunburn from or we lay on the beach and enjoy it and we think that's just normal. It's normal to be sitting on a big giant blue ball spinning around uh, at however, I can't even remember how fast it's going. Um, and, and it's attached to what? But that's normal. <laughs> I love, uh, you've heard me say this before too, but I, I love babies. Love seeing newborns, especially when they first open their eyes. You know why? Because when you look at that newborn, what are they doing? You think they're laughing at you. And they may be. You do look kind of funny. But the point is, do you know why they're looking that way? They've never seen this before. It's, this is all new to them. They come out of the womb going, what is this place? Where am I? Who is this? Who are you? What is... And they're, they're learning as they go. But we stay in this thing for so long that instead of looking at the creation and seeing the glory of God, we look at it and go, it's just everyday life. It's just normal. But these angels are looking at it. And now go with me to Romans chapter 1, all right? Because I want to I build this for you before we just read through it again. Here's the problem with us. Now the angels see it, right? They see it clearly. They look at the glory of God. They look at creation and they're going, wow, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Would you just look at His glory? They get it. We, on the other hand, we don't get it. 
And so here's what we do in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. You've, you've seen this so many times, I'm not going to go through it slowly, so just stay with me. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God... What is wrath? Anger. A fiery anger. I'm fixing to unleash my anger on this, alright? The wrath of God is revealed. What does it mean when something's revealed? You can see it, right? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So according to the last part of that verse, what are we doing that makes God so angry? There's a truth that's being suppressed. Let's figure out what it is. Verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. So in other words, there's something about God, there's a truth about God that is plain to mankind, but they suppress it. What does it mean to suppress something? So there's a truth that's plain about God. But we, instead of acknowledge it, we suppress it. Let's see what that truth is. Verse 20. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Very simply, when you look at creation you really should have no excuse to not be able to be just like the angels and go, who, who does this? What kind of God is this? What kind of Creator is this? And yet instead, we suppress that. We don't acknowledge Him. We don't praise Him. Mary McGrew. <laughs> Alright. Now go with me to verse 21. For although they knew God, and how'd they know Him? Very clear, wasn't it? For although they knew God, here's how they suppressed the truth about Him. They did not honor Him. So remember that word, honor, okay? Because here in a minute you're going to see the angels and all creation say, worthy are you to receive what? Honor. That's important because that's what we're suppressing right now, all right? They did not honor Him as God, nor did they give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking or useless in their thinking because your minds were made to worship God. And instead, your thinking and your mind became useless in its purpose. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And notice what it says next. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. In other words, it looked like wisdom. It looks like wisdom for us to just love creation and enjoy creation and deny God honor and thanks. It looks like wisdom, but instead they became fools. And notice what it says in verse 23. Here's what we did. And we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Remember what I said a minute ago? The, all creation were images of the glory. We traded the glory for the images that resembled mortal man, birds, animals, creeping things. Therefore, as a result of that, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged what? 
the truth about God for a lie. Here was what the truth was. There's nothing and no one like Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole creation is full of His glory. And He is worthy of honor and glory and power and strength. But instead, we suppress that, even though it's clearly seen. And then, look at the end of verse 25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and here's what we did. We worshiped and served what? And does that not describe mankind today? Does that not describe us? God, we don't have time for you because we've got this and this and this and this and it's more important that we this and this and this. And that's what we do. And the Bible says the wrath of God is revealed. But now go with me over to Revelation chapter 4 beginning in verse 8 and you see the worship service begin. So remember, in the beginning of chapter 4, we have the throne. God's anger is just boiling and judgment is fixing to pour out. And the angels understand why God is so angry. Why is God angry again? I want to make sure you're with me, so I'm going to beat this to death. Why is God angry? Because we refuse honor. We refuse thanks. We worship the creature in the creation rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. But the four living creatures, the angels, in verse 8 of chapter 4, they see it. They've seen it since the beginning. And notice what they do. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they what? They never cease. That's the reason I said they have been worshiping God this way from the get-go and no matter how often they say it, it's never enough. They see that you think you get to enjoy the glory of God on a beach or you think you get to enjoy the glory of God at a Grand Canyon or a a mountainside or a snow-covered peak. Wait until you see it in its fullness in a non-cursed fashion. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, here the church is represented, they fall down before Him who is seated on the thrones and they worship Him. So now the church finally gets it. Now listen, we don't, we don't, we still don't get it yet, alright? We get it a little bit better than we did, but we still don't get it to this extent because remember, at this point, the 24 elders, the church is sitting on their thrones with their crowns on their heads, ready to rule with Him. But now they see it. And guess what they do with their, their crowns? Guess what they do? They get off their thrones because they see it. They get it. Now keep going with me. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, verse 11, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive what? Glory, honor, and power. Why? <laughs> they get, you see this? They get it. They get it. We have suppressed what you are worthy of. And we get it now. 
You are worthy because you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Now we get into chapter 5 and we see the one on the throne, notice what it says, in his right hand, he's holding a scroll written within it and on the back of it, and it's sealed with seven seals. Now, I don't want you to forget this worship service because we're just breaking away for a minute to put a little focus back on what's taking place on the throne, all right? But the worship service and the glory of God is fixing to go on and grow and grow and grow to the point that all creation finally sees it and acknowledges, and the the truth is no longer suppressed, all right? So... Let's find out what this scroll is. Using Scripture to interpret Scripture, go with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. Would one of y'all call Mary and tell her that we're a little busy? <laughs> well, make sure, make sure nothing's wrong. Could be something wrong. All right, Revelation chapter 5. I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, let's read verse 1 through 15. And this, we're just trying to figure out what this scroll is, okay? In verse 1 it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah the king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, at that time the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. So what's happening to Jerusalem? All right. And Jeremiah the prophet had been shut up in the court of the guard, or he's in, he's in prison, that was in the palace of the king of Judah, because Zedekiah, the king of Judah, had imprisoned Jeremiah, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, you shall not succeed. So Jeremiah is in prison for telling them what's actually happening right now. Right? He's been telling them, this is coming. And he's in prison for it. Now look at verse 6. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. And this is what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, buy my field that is in Anathoth. For the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is in Ananoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Now think about this for just a minute. What's happening to Jerusalem? So Jeremiah knows that the Babylonians are fixing to come in and they're going to wipe this place out, right? Why in the world would you buy land? But God told him, your cousin's going to come to you. And if God hadn't told him that, do you think Jeremiah would have bought the land? I wouldn't have. But God told him, when your cousin comes to you and tells you, hey, buy this land from me, buy this land from me, buy it. 
Now notice what happens in the next verse of 6. I'm sorry, verse 9. And I bought the field at Ananoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, I sealed it, I got witnesses and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and the conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Barak the son of Neriah, son of Maasa, Messiah, however you say that, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, notice that's witnesses, plural, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Barak in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. And then we could go on and on and on. But here's, here's the point that I'm trying to get. In this day, whenever a purchase to a land or something to that matter was made, a deed was given, just like it is today. The only difference is, is that it was rolled up and sealed with seven seals. And those seven seals came from the seven witnesses that actually saw the purchase and saw that this was indeed Jeremiah's to claim. When the time comes, when the time comes for the houses to be built and the vineyards to be built and this land to be used again, Jeremiah is the rightful heir, the one that is worthy to open this scroll. No one else had the right to break these seals. Jeremiah was the only one that had the right to break these seals. When we get back over into Revelation chapter 5, and, and there are other examples of this. Um, you can also read about Roman historians that wrote in Roman history that explained the same concept that took place in their time. When land was bought, a deed was given, it was paid for, it was rolled up, it was sealed with seven seals. And so we can take that from other scripture and we can apply it to Revelation chapter 5 and we can rightly say that the one that's sitting on the throne is holding a deed. And he's holding a deed to what does, what does uh, uh, the worship say back in verse chapter 4? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power for you created what? All things. And by your will, they existed and they were created. He don't just have a deed to a piece of land. He has the deed to all of it. But... Who did God give dominion to in this world? When He created this world, who did He put here and give dominion to? Man was the rightful heir to the throne or to the rulership of this world. Who came and took it away from man? Satan came and he led man to follow him and he usurped the authority and the right to rule in this world from man and he led man into sin and Satan took on authority over this world. Now, it has to be bought back. The only way it can, it can um, become rightfully in another heir's place, it has to be purchased. And what is the payment for sin? 
Blood must be shed. Death must take place. Jesus came back and He purchased and ransomed it. So, And you're going to see all this as we come go through this. But I just wanted you to see that what we're looking at in verse 1 is the title deed to the earth. The title deed to all creation, not just the earth. The title deed to it all. And then in verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? So remember, the time has come. God is ready to pour out His judgment on the world and He is ready to take this back. It's time. Now the angel comes and we have the title deed, but we've got to find the rightful heir. We've got to find the one who is worthy to open this scroll. And there are seven witnesses that know that there's only one that's worthy to open this scroll. Not just anybody can open this scroll. So the angel cries out, who is worthy? Now John is watching this. John don't know what the angel knows. John don't know everything that's going on right here. But he knows enough to go, this is important. we got to find the one who can open the scroll. And then notice in verse uh, 3, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was... Like... Now this just John didn't see anybody. That means they wasn't there. John didn't see anybody. There was no one in heaven, on earth, under the earth that was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. He couldn't even break the seals. And I began to weep loudly. You know why? Because John understands the importance of this. God is worthy to receive glory and honor and power, but the earth refuses it to Him. Mankind refuses it. They suppress it. we got to find the one that is worthy. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to even look into it. And one of the elders, one of the people from the church, remember they got off their throne and they went over and they seen Him. They cast their, they cast their crowns before Him. One of the elders said to me, Don't cry no more. Behold, in other words, look, the lion. That's important because what do they see here? What kind of animal do they see? A lion, all right? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has what? He's conquered. He's conquered so that he can what? He's conquered. And because he's conquered, he is the rightful heir to open the, the scroll, to open the title deed to all creation and its seven seals. And all those names, without going back to Scripture, you if you have a reference Bible, you can do it yourself. But you can reference all of these back to the Old Testament to help you understand these were all names that were given to represent the coming Messiah. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um, he was the root of David. He was that from which David came from. Even though he came from the lineage of David, David came from him to begin with. He was the root of David. And then so on. And then in verse 6, And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a what? Now, something's going on here. Because John heard one of the elders say, look, and what did he see? A lion. John said, when I looked, what did John see? A lamb. Well, here's the thing. In order to become the lion, he had to be a lamb. 
He had to be the first time he come. This is the reason why the Jews had such a hard time uh, accepting Jesus as their Messiah. They were expecting this conquering king that's just going to swoop in and restore everything on earth to God's glory and to the nation of Israel and, and make it um, perfect again. But that's not the way it could go down. First, the ransom had to be paid. And the way the ransom was to be paid is that the Lamb of God had to come and die. And so we see first off, the elder sees the line because it's already done. John turns and he sees the Lamb. And then keep going with me in verse uh, 6. This Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Very quick explanation of that. A horn in Old Scripture. When you go back and if you reference Scripture, looking for places where horns on animals were mentioned, it always represented the strength of this animal. And seven, we learned from earlier in Revelation, represent completeness, all right? It was completed. And so we have complete power here in Christ. And we also have seven uh, eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Truth of the matter is, I'm not very sure myself exactly what that means. And that may be one that we may not... There, I, I can give you some explanations of what people teach it as, I don't really know if, if there's enough evidence for me to look at you and say, this is what it is. But one thing I can take it is that at face value. This, it tells me that the seven eyes that he saw are the seven spirits of God. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly how to explain it to you. But I can take it at face value and understand that apparently there are seven spirits of God in some way or another because they're mentioned earlier, they are before His throne represented in torches of fire. And again, I don't understand it fully, but He tells me here there are seven spirits of God and they've been sent out into all the parts of the world. We also know that the Holy Spirit is a witness for us. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we indeed are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit was sent to be a witness into the world to things that take place and to what happens. We believe here that the seven seals on this throne were witnessed by the seven spirits of God. So you have Jesus that's the rightful heir to it, that's purchased it, and then you have the seven seals that these witnesses said, we've seen it and we know that it is true that He has paid and He is the rightful heir. And then in verse 7, And He went and He took the scroll from the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne. I see this and I believe I'm correct in this. The one on the throne is God the Father, the Creator of all things, alright? And I believe what we see here is God the Son, Jesus Christ and the Lamb that has paid the price and now God the Father wants to know who has the right to take authority back from Satan who has stole it. And very simply, there's only one answer. The Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God that was slain. And He goes and He takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father. Now in verse 8, When He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls of incense. Now, there's been added to this worship service now. At first, it was a cappella. Now we got some strings. Worship is fixing to grow. You know why? 
because the angels have been seeing His holiness since they were created. Day and night, they never cease to praise God for His holiness, right? The church had not truly seen it until here, but now they see it. And now they've got off of their thrones and they're on their knees before Him, casting their crowns. And now they're sitting here with instruments and bowls of incense in their hand. Keep reading, we'll see what that is. And each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Here we have an image of smoke incense coming up from these bowls that the 24 elders are holding, the church is holding. And what's in these bowls are all the prayers of the saints that have ever been prayed. Every prayer that you've ever prayed that said, Lord, avenge me from my enemy for this hurt, for this sin, for this, uh, for, for every Every bad thing for every death you've experienced, any pain, any sorrow, any tear, everything is collected in this right here. And God is now ready to pour out His judgment on our own. And so what we have around this throne is we have this worship service going on. And then from these bowls, we have the prayers of all the saints just lifting up before God. And it's just getting him even more prepared, if you will, to, uh, to pour out his judgment on this. All right. And then verse nine. And they sang a what? New song. So now the song originally was, let's think about what it was in verse 11 of chapter, of chapter four. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power because, here's why, because you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And that's true about God in general, right? But now we got a new song because now we see there's one that's worthy to take it all back. And now what song are they singing now? In verse 9, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. In other words, the reason why is because you bought it back. You ransomed it. You purchased it. It's yours. You were slain. And by your blood, you what? Ransomed. You paid for it. By your blood, you paid for the people of God. And from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign where? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But first, He's got to take it back. And that's what we're seeing. So again, this is just leading you up to when the judgment starts pouring out and you see all the judgment taking place, this is the precursor to it and the worship service that takes place as we're getting to this point. So, verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures... And the elders, so think about it. First, we've got a throne and living creatures. In Isaiah, that's all it was, right? Now, we've got a throne, living creatures, and a church. 24 elders around. Now, we've got them on their knees with harps and bowls of prayers. But now, John looks, and again, look at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of what? Now not only do we have the four living creatures and the elders, but now we've got 
many angels that have joined in to this worship service. But how many are many? You know what myriads, what do myriads mean? It's a, it's a number that sometimes can be used to express ten thousands or sometimes it's used to express an indefinite number, a countless number. But let's just say it expresses ten thousands, alright? So let's see what he says right here. Many angels numbering ten thousands of ten thousands and thousands of thousands. How many angels you got now that's gathered around in this worship service? And now they're saying with a loud voice, man, this thing's just getting louder and louder, ain't it? And bigger and bigger. Now they're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then, look at verse 13. And then I heard what? So when I, when I look at chapter 5 here, I see a worship service that's, that's been going on since the beginning of angels' creation. And now at this point, it just explodes into a service that all they can see is the glory of God and what Jesus has done and what it means for creation and what it means for the people of God. And all all creation can do is just gather around together and just proclaim His glory and worship and honor with everything in them. And I heard every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature under the earth, every creature in the sea, and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might for how long? There will be no end to this forever and ever. And notice, now remember, what did the worship service start with? The living creatures, right? It started with the living creatures around the throne. They saw the glory of God. And then they looked at mankind and go, how in the world can you suppress this? But now the church finally gets it. And now the church adds to it, and the angels come around the church, and then they add together to it, and then all creation joins in together. And then the four living creatures step back as all this worship service is going on, because they've seen it from the beginning. And notice what they said in verse 13. I'm sorry, in verse 14. And the four living creatures said what? (laughs) I love that. The four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's right. That's right. And then chapter 6. We get into next week. Now I watched the Lamb when He opened up one of the seven seals. Next week is maybe not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Next week is business meeting. It always gets in the way of this, don't it? But I know it's what we got to do. But uh, next week we'll have a, a business meeting and then we will, um, we will pick up on the seals being opened. Um, the seals being opened... Um, two weeks from now.